0: Thanks for listening. Good. Good morning. Um, that's Pete. I'm re Nice to meet you. My name, you've never heard that joke before, right? Yeah. Uh, my name is actually Peter. And so if I haven't met you yet, um, like Dean said, I also I would love to meet you afterwards. Please come introduce yourself. I'm going to try to find you and introduce myself. Um, and I said something last week about how you could buy me coffee. Um, that was actually a joke. I'd like to buy you a cup of coffee. So, um, you know, or lunch or breakfast or whatever Beverage you drink or whatever. Just love to connect uh, with you. So, seriously, introduce yourself if I don't know you. Look forward to, uh, to meeting you. Hey, I was supposed to be running the OC marathon this morning. Um, I don't know if you know that. The OC marathon is happening right now. Um, I'd probably, yeah, two and a half hours. I'd probably just be pulling in the finish line about right now. And, uh, <clears throat> But then, in the middle of my training regimen, I realized, wait a minute, the OC Marathon is on Sunday. I can't go to that. So I did all that training for nothing. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, Friends, I am not a marathoner. Uh, I don't know why anyone would do that on purpose. Um, I am also not a triathlete. Um, However, in 2009, um, I did the uh, Olympic distance triathlon in Vancouver, British Columbia, when Krista and I were living up there. And it was one of the most physically demanding things that I have ever done. And I, I don't remember how long it took me to do the thing. I think it was something like two and a half hours. It was, it was not a good time, uh, but it's two and a half hours of like high intensity output. And um, I actually have some pictures. This is fun. This is me uh, in the Vancouver Triathlon in 2009. The picture's a little blurry because I'm cycling so fast. <laughs> uh, at this point, I'm feeling pretty great. Right? I've completed the swim portion of the race. This is near the beginning of the bike portion. Uh, so I'm feeling pretty good, pretty strong. It's exhausting, but I'm still uh, feeling pretty strong. Uh, and then this, uh, this is a picture of me um, again in the middle of the run portion. Uh, the, uh, this version of the triathlon, it's a 10K run at the end. And, um, and I've been pushing really hard, like as hard as I can um, at this point in this picture for like over two hours. And uh, I'm not feeling great anymore. Uh, not feeling great at all. In fact, in this picture, I'm feeling terrible. Uh, Because I had made a very costly strategic error. So let's pray. (laughs) Gracious God, thank you for John's gospel. Thank you uh, that you enabled John to remember the things that you said and did and that you enabled him by your spirit to faithfully record these things. And we thank you that we now get to read uh, what Jesus did and what Jesus said, and we believe, Jesus, that these are more than mere words on a page, but these are like nourishment for our souls. And so we pray that you would uh, lift these words off the page and that you would help them to become rooted in our minds and in our hearts, that we wouldn't simply listen in on this story, but that we would become um, actors in the story that you are writing in the world and in our lives. So um, change us today, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Uh, Well, I want to ask just three simple questions as a way to kind of get into today's scripture reading, into today's text. And if Jesus says, I am the bread of life, That's what he says to us. Then I just have three uh, simple questions that I want us to ask this morning. First of all, how does Jesus feed us? Secondly, when do we need to eat? And third, why does Jesus feed us in the first place? So pretty basic questions. How, when, and um, why? Oh, without an H. That's cool. (laughs) This has nothing to do with the state of Wyoming. Uh, so first of all, uh, how does Jesus feed us? That's our first question. Eugene Peterson, you, might, uh, you maybe have heard of him. He was a Presbyterian pastor. He's with Jesus now. Um, he was an ancient linguistics expert. He's the guy who gave us the paraphrase of the Bible. It's called The Message. Maybe you've heard of that or read that uh, before. He also wrote this wonderful book. He wrote a bunch of books, but he wrote this really wonderful book called Eat This book. Eat this book. And in that book, uh, Eugene Peterson explores uh, this book, the Bible. And he explores how this book is a book to be chewed on. This is a book to savor. This is a book where we actually digest what is in here. So when he titled his little book called Eat This Book, He's talking about this book, that this is a book we are to eat, to consume, to savor, to digest. And just like food in the refrigerator, it actually doesn't do you any good as long as it remains on the shelf in the refrigerator. You have to actually eat it, consume it for it to do you any good. And so it is with this book, with the Bible and if the word, if the Bible is one of the ways that Jesus feeds us, and in fact, I would argue that it's the primary way that Jesus feeds us. If that's true, then it means that if we are not regularly consuming the word, if we're not regularly opening up the word and seeing what Jesus has to say to us there, then it means we're running on empty. It means that we're, we're out on a drive and the gas tank is on E. We're, we're essentially running on fumes. Uh, Michael Pollan is a journalist. He wrote this cool book called, uh, I promise I'm not going to talk about other books a whole bunch today because the whole point of today's sermon is this book actually. But uh, since we're here, Michael Pollan, he wrote this uh, neat book. It's called In Defense of Food. And um, he makes this outlandish supposition that you and I, should eat food. That's his hypothesis for the whole book. That's the plot summary. Eat food. And now you might think that that's fairly obvious, that we should eat food. Uh, But the reality is that much of what we actually consume is not food. It is food-like substances. This means that you can actually eat a lot and still be incredibly malnourished. Because what we're eating very often is food-like substances. Substances that look like food, smell like food, taste like food, but are not actually food. Let me give you an example. I discovered these this week. (laughs) Which are amazing, by the way. Mocha caramel latte. This is a limited edition, so get yours now. Right? Oreos, this is not food, right? and, and actually, you know, this is obvious. We know this, um, but there are other foods that are, it's less obvious that they're actually not food. This is a food-like substance. I checked. Each Oreo cookie is 70 calories. I can easily, not that I would ever do this, but I could easily eat 10 right now. It's 700 calories and yet still be incredibly malnourished, right? And in the same way, we can fill our minds and our hearts with all kinds of content, but still be spiritually malnourished, right? You can read all the best books off of the self-help shelf. Right? You can listen to all of Joel Olstein's podcasts. Sorry to pick on you, Joel, and still be starving for what Jesus calls the bread of life the good stuff, that's because we need to eat food, not food-like substances. We need to eat the bread of life, not spiritual wonder bread or spiritual Twinkies. Those things might taste good for a little bit, but they don't actually help us grow spiritually. And the real food that Jesus offers us is the food that we find in the scriptures, in this book which is why Eugene Pastor Eugene Peterson says eat this book this is real food and you know sometimes this book uh, sometimes this book offers up uh, like thanksgiving comfort food it soothes it satisfies maybe a tired or empty soul uh, but sometimes this book actually offers up what we might call a little bit of spicy curry It awakens our senses, and sometimes it makes us sweat. And I suspect that most of us welcome the comfort food that Scripture often serves us. You know, come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Man, that's spiritual comfort food. Or do not worry about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication along with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends human understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is spiritual comfort food. It is meant to satisfy and soothe a hungry soul. Do we also welcome the spicy curry. You know, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now I'm starting to sweat. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act that on them is like the foolish man who built his house on sand. And in came the storms, the rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew against that house and it fell and great was its fall. That spicy curry that scripture serves up. Eat this book. Eat all that it has to offer. Both the spicy stuff that awakens our senses and maybe makes us sweat a little bit. And also the comfort food that we need on a regular basis. So eat it. And you know, how do you eat an elephant? You know, this seems like a giant book. How do you eat an elephant? Just one bite at a time. Just start, just read a little bit of it. Not sure how? Let me give you an idea. Today's May 1st. Conveniently, the first day of the month. Some of you uh, know this. Uh, in in our Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, it's really close to the very middle. In the book of Proverbs, uh, there are 31 chapters. There's like 31 chapters in Proverbs, conveniently one for each day of the month. So you could just read one chapter in Proverbs for whatever day of the month that is. And it's the first, so shoot, this afternoon you could start with Proverbs 1. And by the end of the month, you would have gone through the entire book of Proverbs. That's just a a simple, if you're like, I don't know how I can eat this book, just read the proverb of the day. You know, if you forget until May 14th, that's fine. May 14th, guess what? Check out Proverbs fourteen. Here's another one. Uh, There's four gospels in the New Testament. And um, why not start with the shortest one, right? It's like the shortest books are the best. Uh, The shortest gospel is Mark's gospel. You could just read one chapter a day. It would take you about five minutes, maybe eight or nine minutes if you're a slow reader. So, five to 10 minutes a day, you could just read one chapter. And you know what? In the month of May, you would have read the entire Gospel of Mark twice. right? You'd be done in two weeks with the whole Gospel of Mark, five minutes a day. Eat this book. It's spiritual soul food for us. Just try it out. It's the primary way, I believe, that Jesus feeds us. The second way that Jesus feeds us is through the sacraments, especially the sacrament of communion that we're going to celebrate together a little bit later in the service. When we gather together, as a community around this table there is a mysterious sense in which jesus is present with us he's present with us in a special way around the communion table right he's not actually On the communion table, this is still just bread and juice. This does not transform into the actual body and blood of Jesus. Jesus is not on the table. He's at the table with us. He's the host of the table. It's his meal, his dining room, his table, and his meal that he offers to us. And he's present with us in a mysterious way. And it's the presence of Christ that nourishes us. It's the presence of Jesus that feeds our hungry souls. So how does Jesus feed us? Through word and through sacrament. Through the reading of our Bibles and through the celebrating of the sacraments, especially communion. And here at Christ Pacific, uh, maybe you've figured this out if you've been around a while, but our typical schedule is to celebrate communion on the first Sunday of the month. So that's today. Every first Sunday of the month, we come to the table together. So that's how. How does Jesus feed us? Word and sacrament. The next question I want us to address is when. When do we need to eat? Uh, will you go with me back to Vancouver in 2009? I'm uh, on the run portion of this triathlon. I'm a couple kilometers into a 10-kilometer run. It feels terrible. It feels like my legs won't go anymore. My energy is completely sapped. And that's for a number of reasons, because I wasn't in the greatest of shape, but also because I had made a massive strategic error. During the transition between swim and bike and between bike and swim, uh, seasoned triathletes will always eat something, right? If you exercise vigorously for two and a half hours, you've got to consume calories in the middle of the race. And I made this strategic error because I am an amateur. On the transition after the bike and before the run, I completely forgot to eat. I was literally running on empty. There were no calories left. And my muscles wouldn't go anymore or they wouldn't go very quickly. Eating a healthy breakfast in the morning is not enough. It's not enough for race day. You need to do that. You need to eat a good breakfast in the morning, but you actually need to refuel during the race. And so it is with sustenance and nourishment that Jesus offers us. We've got to continually receive what he gives us. We've got to continually be nourished. So, verse 20 or 32 and 33, here it is again. I know it's a little bit small, but I want you to see the whole thing. Jesus said to the disciples, Actually, he said to the crowd that was gathered there, he said, very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus said, it was not Moses who gave, past tense, manna in the wilderness, but that it is our heavenly father who gives Present tense. Why did Jesus change the tense of the verb? Not past tense, but present tense. It's our heavenly Father who gives the true bread, which comes down, present tense, from heaven and gives, present tense again, life to the world. This bread, this is not for pastime's sake. This is not meant to be a nostalgic kind of thing. It is meant to be fuel for the here and now fuel for today in verse 35 jesus goes on he says whoever comes to me will never be hungry whoever comes to me that verb comes is actually a present participle and so literally it's a little awkward but literally it is whoever continues to come to me will never be hungry whoever continually comes to my table, whoever continually opens up my word and eats this book will never be hungry. Jesus is not saying that if you came once a long time ago, you're good to go. You'll never be hungry again. No, he's saying if you continue to come to me, if you continue to come to my table, if you continue to consume what I have to offer, you will never be hungry because this is the bread that truly satisfies. It's not enough to have a hearty breakfast. You've got to continually fuel up throughout the race. When? When do we need to eat? We're like newborn babies, man, all the time. All the time. Okay, the third and final question, why does Jesus feed us? The simple answer For the life of the world. Jesus feeds us for the life of the world. In verse 33, again, Jesus says, For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That's life to me. That's life to you. But thanks be to God, it's not just life for me and you. It's not just life for me and Jesus. It's life for the world. Jesus offers himself for the whole world. And this word world, this is an important word. This word world is an English translation of this Greek word cosmos. Of course, we also get the word cosmos from this. Sometimes you hear me pray to the Lord of the cosmos, He's the Lord of the whole universe. In the Greek New Testament, and especially in John's Gospel, whenever the writers use this word cosmos or world, they're referring to something very specific. Cosmos, in the New Testament, especially in John's Gospel, is all of human society ordering itself over and against God. The word world, Cosmos—it's not a neutral word. It's all of human society, the whole world ordering itself against God. And this began in the very beginning, right when uh, when Adam and Eve in Genesis, when they decided that they did not need God, but instead would go on a quest of independence from Him. And Adam and Eve—they essentially said, "You know what? We don't need you, God." And human society has been saying this to the living God ever since. It's what the writers in the New Testaments have in mind when they use the word cosmos. It's Adam and Eve and all of their ancestors ordering themselves against God, running away from God, seeking independence from God. And this is what makes John 3.16 so astounding. For God so loved this world For God so loved the cosmos, God so loved human society which has ordered itself against him. For God so loved you and I who are continually on a quest of independence from God. God, I don't need you right now. For God so loved those people who brushed him off, who denied his goodness. For God so loved the cosmos, the world, so much. That he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Do you hear it? Wow. This is the world that God loves so much. Again, John 6, 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the cosmos. Gives life to the To the world that is constantly seeking independence from him. Jesus offers his life to a world that pits itself against him. Rarely will someone die for a friend. And even more rarely will someone die for another person who pits him or herself against you. But Jesus did. For God so loved the world. Friends, let me end with this as we turn to the communion table. You are what you eat. I knew a lady once who ate so many carrots, she actually turned orange. True story. You are what you eat. And when we take the bread of life in, we are becoming like Jesus when we continually open up the scriptures and just read a proverb a day or read one chapter from Mark's gospel, when we come to this table, when we receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ in Christ's presence, we are taking on his character, becoming more Christ-like. And this is the goal of the Christian life, to become more like him, And it's really cool because you are what you eat. So what's the directive here? Eat continually. Take, eat, receive God's word, become like Christ. And that's what we have the privilege of celebrating at the communion table. Let's pray briefly and we'll gather around the table. God, thank you so much for this table which you have set before us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the bread of life, that you satisfy like nothing else. Thank you that we don't have to be satisfied with spiritual wonder bread or spiritual Twinkies, but that you offer us the kind of bread that we need more Than our next meal, which is your presence here among us as we eat at your table. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining our Christ Pacific Sunday Sermon podcast. To hear more of our sermons or to subscribe or to learn how you can be engaged with what we're up to in Huntington Beach, please visit us at cpchbh.org.